Kicking and Streaming Podcast is brought to you by Cafe 1804. Premium Haitian coffee now available online at cafe1804.com. That's cafe, K-A-F-E, 1804.com. So today we are going to talk about a book that has been recently turned into a movie. And this book was, for some reason, controversial when it comes to the bipartisan political situation we have in this country. The fact of the matter is, whatever your opinion about the book was, and whatever your opinion about the movie is, the fact is, I don't think that anybody is right or wrong. I know that in political discussions, it, it, it's turned more like a blood sport and somebody has to be the winner, but that's not the case at all with these. What do you think? Um, I, I agree to, to some extent. I, I don't think there is a clear cut right or wrong, but I will say I definitely have some issues. I have not read the book, um, but I definitely have some issues with the movie that, that I, that I just watched. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So let's go ahead and talk about it. Yes. Right. And with that, we start the show. Shall we start the show? Let's get started. (laughs) Let's do it. This is Kicking and Streaming Podcast, a binge watcher's guide to streaming movies, TV series, and stuff. Here are your hosts, Graham and Jocelyn. And hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Kicking and Streaming Podcast. My name is Graham, and as you heard it from the intro, the person with me on the other side of Skype, her name is Jojo. Here's the thing. She is the best co-host in the whole wide world, right? <laughs> you wish you had had a co-host, but sorry for you. I already got her. Hello, Jojo. <laughs> How do you do? <laughs> oh, my Lord. Jojo, how you been? I've been okay. How about yourself? Oh, no. It's been, it's been all right. It's you know, right. uh... Thanksgiving, right? Yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah, we we had we had good Thanksgiving, I think. Yeah, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> uh, somehow, I sound doubtful about that. <laughs> like, wait, know. what? What did we do? What was that day? What did we do? <laughs> <laughs> For me, it's more of a memory issue in the sense of like, what, what, what day was that? When <laughs> was it Wednesday? <laughs> Right, so again, as you heard in our little uh, cold intro, we, we today have a convo about a very cool little movie, Hillbilly Elegy, which, as we mentioned, was had already been uh, was originally a book by J.D. Vance, and director Ron Howard made a tremendous hoopla on Netflix about this about making this movie and he finally came out did it and i say it worked out right jojo if you ask me what did i think about this movie what i will tell you is well i didn't hate it what about you <laughs> um i hated it <laughs> did you did you? This is funny. I did. All right, so did. <laughs> let's go into it, man, because it's... <laughs> okay, Jojo, the floor is yours. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> the floor is yours, Jojo. Um, do you think? Do I uh, do my thing? So, um, yes. uh, so this movie is about... It's based on a book, as you said, written by someone named um, J.D. Vance. It is supposed to be, and I'm actually just reading this off the Wikipedia site because I'm sort of too angry to make a coherent statement. (laughs) (laughs) But the film is a modern, supposed to be, a modern exploration of the American dream through three generations of the Vances, which is a family from the Appalachian area of America. Um, Most notably, it focuses on the protagonist, our hero, J.D. Vance and his relationship with his mother, who is troubled, and his relationship with his grandmother, which I think you could also qualify as troubled, and uh, his story of the uh, his version of the American dream. Right. And I think, based on some of the readings that I've made, that, that I've done, I, I think 
the movie might well be a romanticized version of why what JD himself was trying to say in the book. And the problem, do you remember we started talking about this based on political views? Yes. And I think political views have created several different interpretations of the book. And in the end, I think in order to make an appealing movie, because as Americans, we love us a good, feel-good story, whatever that may be, Ron Howard came up with this soggy shite. <laughs> I have not read the book, but after after the I watched the movie, I read some articles that sort of like put together the contrasts between the book and the movie. And what I gather is that I don't know that J.D. Vance takes himself that seriously in terms of I've achieved the American dream. Sure. He can be quoted by saying, I can tell you for a fact that I haven't achieved anything remarkable. <laughs> I have a good job. I went to a good school. So I, I think the conservative current in this country has taken this story and made it the American dream version of it. Whereas the more liberal current that I belong to sees it as these aren't shit that should be happening in the greatest country in the world if you want to be the greatest country in the world. <laughs> so <laughs> talk to me about your own opinions, George. I, I have a lot of problems with the movie. As you said, and I, I think I said earlier, I have not read the book, so I, I can't fully based my opinion on this story on anything other than the movie. So to me, it, it has a sort of a, a stereotypical confirmation that all you need to do to make it is to work really hard and pull yourself up by your bootstraps. And that is dangerous rhetoric in a kind of world that we live in now. Also, it's portrayal of poor people, because as I've said many times, and as we've discussed in person and on the podcast, I, I grew up very poor. It's portrayal of poor white America is a rich person's, a upper middle class person's portrayal of what they think it's like. And uh, this is nothing like what it's like. There are a few things that may touch on on the way things are, um, and I'm going to give that to the actors that are involved as opposed to the story. But this is this is this is trite. This is offensive. This is something that was maybe should have in the hands of a different filmmaker. Maybe it could have been a little bit more than trite. But it's 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 so bad. It makes me want to write a book. <laughs> um, so I'm actually glad I watched it because uh, otherwise I wouldn't have watched it and I wouldn't have known that this existed at this view of of rural America and the whites and it existed because uh, I, I'm not kidding. It makes me want to write a book to say this is how it actually is. So why don't you illustrate? What is it that we are talking about here? Because I'd like to see that. I'd like to know that, you know, you, you point of view, at least to, to our listeners who will be watching or maybe have already watched this, uh, is understood. So, so please, Jojo, talk to me about some of your major issues with the portrayal in itself. Um, the story itself the, is, is very choppy. It's very almost schizophrenic. Some of the dialogue is is unbelievably bad. Some of the lines, the <laughs> the whole point of the story seems to be uh, of a white male savior. The you have uh, the story of of Mama, which we we don't really get into what's going on with with her and her background. It's touched on a little bit, but it's it's really not. 
explain to the extent that it needs to be so you understand how strong of a character she is and what she went through for this family. You have Bev, who, again, her story is totally glossed over. You have Lindsay, the sister to the main protagonist, JD, who is just as smart and perhaps more resilient than JD. But of course, she can't get out because she's a woman. And yeah. and so you, you you have the whole, again, to me, it feels very, very misogynist. It feels very, well, we're going to put everything we can into, into what we can to get the boy out. We'll get the boy out. And I'm not saying that that isn't reality. <laughs> I mean, honestly, statistically, he is the one that could get out being a white male. He can enlist in the Marines and get his college paid for. He can, he can do, you know, things that, that are never available to women in the world today. But all of that being glossed over in the movie is very much a, to me, a spit in the eye as to what these women actually did for him so that he could quote unquote get out. It's very much told in the sense of, of him being this wonderful, marvelous person that, that, that got out and he did all of this and the rest of them were either too coarse or too addicted or too female to get out. And, and it, 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 to hold him up to these standards when he's essentially just a dull white boy, to me, this feeds into the very dangerous political uh, climate there is in the world right now to say, well, that's all poor people need. Anybody, black, brown, white, whatever. You just need, you just need to do this yourself because because you're you're, uh, you know, the American dream is obviously well within your reach. All you have to do is try. There were instances of him. There's an instance where he buys gas for his car and his card his card declines. And he seems shocked by this, and he pulls out another card. And I can assure you that when you're poor, you know exactly how much you have in your account. You know exactly how much you have left on each credit card. (laughs) You are going to say, uh, put five on this card. Here's $2 in change. Here is a five. Here is that that's that's in, in in that's a kind of intelligence in itself, but you you know these sorts of things, and for him to be surprised, then when there's a point where again with money where they go to to rehab, um he manages to to bully a female into getting uh his mother a bed, and you know he ends up having to put three thousand dollars down for her to be able to stay. And he just magically has this $3,000 on these like 25 credit cards he has in his wallet. (laughs) If he had $3,000 on credit cards, then this whole issue of, oh, I have to have this job and I have to have this interview and I have to do this and I have to do that. I mean, the whole thing just falls through. If you magically have $3,000 on a credit card, you aren't poor. You are not poor. If you have $3,000 that you can put on a credit card, you are not poor. You just are. God, yeah. So where's that, all, all that credit come from? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Where did he get all these credit cards in, t- in 2011? or Yeah, 2011. Where did he get? This is right after the recession. He says he's been working three jobs. There, no. And where did he get 25? Just on the basis of being a white man, I guess. Um, so I, I, I have issues with that. I have issues with, with, with so many things like, so, so the character of mama and, and papa don't live together. Okay. So how are they making that? How are the, how do they have two houses? If you're poor, how do you have two houses? Right. Cause she, if this is, so it takes place in the nineties. She wouldn't have worked. She wouldn't have Social Security. So we're just going to say his Social Security is paying for two houses for the two of them? No. No. It, maybe they don't live together, but they're not going to have two houses. There's no way you could pay for the rent 
or own two houses if you are poor. It's no, it's ridiculous. They would all be living together in one house together. And the only time that Bev would be getting out of the house, the mother character, would be when she was with another man. And and they don't, and you know, she has her own house too for a while. Yeah, it, it's just mind-bogglingly inaccurate to me. Like it's 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 a rich person's idea of how poor people live. Yeah, but you know, the, the the crazy thing is, first of all, thank you for going in this absolutely sincere rebuke of what this movie presented. And again, it is important that we continue to talk about the fact that we have not read the book and we know that yes. certain liberties have been taken yes. about about this book for the movie and based on what I've read the author himself has said is basically that he is by no mean presenting himself as the one who made it and achieved the American dream but rather this is what these people in my hometown have gone through and I am having made it to here I'm just an exception that happened because a lot of people put themselves on the line for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember the first person who talked to me about this book, Jojo, was uh, someone we know. His, uh, I think the way that he surmised the book was, this book sort of explains the the origins of Trumpism. Do you remember when I was telling you, we have to watch this movie, that's what I was thinking about because I'm like, yeah, I don't know how I'm going to view this Mm -hmm. because I would have liked to read the book. Yes. But it seems to me, again, that the different opinions regarding this book are based on why male, Christian, rich people looking from the outside and thinking that they understood perfectly everything that J.D. Vance attempted to say in this book. And it seems to me that you, based on your opinion and your reaction having seen the movie, it might well be as offensive as it is to you, as you have manifested that it is to you, as anybody who grew up not necessarily poor, but in a white working class family. And and so I am incredibly appreciative of your sincerity because... I, too, am looking at this entire situation from the outside. Have I been poor? Yes. But I'm a poor man growing up in, uh, outside of the United States. So my experience is definitely not the same. And to be madly honest with you, any poor person in the United States is at least 20 times richer than anybody growing up in a third world country. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. There's no question about that. Absolutely. (laughs) And has, has, has access to much more resources and, and, and opportunity. Absolutely. Right. Um, I, I, I just think that this kind of movie has a push of a stereotype in America, in the United States that, is 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 very they're screaming at each other all the time it's such a stereotype you know there's 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 foul language used all the time it's such a stereotype everybody's smoking you know there's no money for pills but they have money for cigarettes that kind of thing and i i just the the veneer and the gloss that is put on this is so much of someone who's never experienced it from the inside it's it's just so 
It's the same way that I will never understand fully the, the, I will never understand the black experience in the United States. I won't because I'm not black. I'm white. And I, and I'm, I'm not saying that this is some sort of an elite class that nobody can ever possibly understand. That's not what I'm trying to say. I just, this is so offensive to me because it is just so, so stereotypical, so, so everything that is, is wrong with the way that people look at poor people. I, it, it's dehumanizing. It is, it is, I, 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 I can't describe to you, I don't think, how angry this movie made me. <laughs> there is a review that I would really like to recommend from a woman who is an author, and her name is Alison Stein. And she not only grew up in Appalachia, she still lives there. And she has written an amazing review about this book that is, she wrote it for Salon, that is everything that I am very poorly trying to say. And she is, is, she is brilliant in her review of this movie and her explanation of, of why it's hurtful and her explanation of why this is not something that that should have been made the way it was made. And I, I, I just, I cannot, I cannot stress enough that if, if you have the ability to, to read her review, that you read it. Her name is Alison Stein. The review is for Salon. If you Google it, you can find it. But I, I, when I was researching this movie too, I, I saw that critics hated it. And I saw that the people who've watched it generally love it. Like the people who've left reviews on like Google for it. It's got so many five-star reviews. And I thought about that, and I thought that so many of the people who are leaving those reviews, and I didn't read all of the reviews, so I'm not going to say that all of them are, but so many of the people who are leaving those reviews are people who have access to broadband internet, who have access to <laughs> Netflix, <laughs> who are able to do all of these things and have never experienced this from the inside out, have never experienced this life, have never experienced what it is to be poor. And <laughs> I, I think that the people who truly love this movie are the people who this is the way they've already seen poor people and it's just confirmation for them as to, as to what they needed to see that, uh, you know, it's okay. So this is, this is a great gritty view of, of poor America. And it is true that all you need is, is a good, strong family behind you, a good, strong Christian family behind you, and you will overcome. And as long as they sacrifice everything for you and you sacrifice everything you can, you're going to make it and make it good. And again, I know that the author is not saying that he achieved some wonderful, marvelous thing or won the Nobel Prize or anything like that. But I think even just the act of quote unquote getting out and of becoming middle class, he may as well have. Because that's honestly, statistically, the, the what could have happened. Because if you're born poor, you are going to stay poor. I mean, in America, this is a really side rant here, but I'm going to go on this rant anyway. <laughs> go on, Joshua. <laughs> go on. I'm, I'm, listen, do you know what? And, and, and you, I, I swear to you that... This is the most passionate I've seen you make a case, <laughs> and I'm here for it, and I love it. I love it. I love it. I'm serious. This is, this is the most passionate I've seen you make a case, and, and I, I can only imagine a grand hall of justice where you <laughs> have the floor to yourself. And again, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not joking, seriously. I'm loving it because I I struggled a lot to find ways to talk about this movie that it uh, shouldn't be offensive. You see what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because, again, much in the same way that I hate, hate it, when people start talking about, this is what black people should do. 
This is what brown people should do. This is how. Uh, this is uh, the prescription for for you know poor people, poor minority people to to get ahead. Look at this. This is what the American dream is. And by the way, politicians do a lot of that shit too. Yes, they do. Right. Yes, they do. Um, I I for once always had a grudge with Obama about this bullshit of the American dream because while yes his story is a version of the American dream there were a lot of things that worked for Obama that wouldn't have worked for I don't know little Ray Ray in the ghetto mm-hmm. that's as, as, as simple as that mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. <laughs> let us let us not forget mm-hmm. that Obama may have been fathered by an African immigrant, but he wasn't raised by a couple of immigrants. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, right. Uh, right. <laughs> Obama was, ended up being raised by, uh, been finished raising by his grandparents, but there were, you know, two white grandparents raising a biracial kid in a pretty progressive state, by the way, yes. called Hawaii. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. You know, I, I don't know, and I hope people don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, it's, well, it's, it's statistically, as you say, if, if Obama had been... I feel like there are things that are a, a, a perfect storm, a perfect, a perfect recipe for success. And right. I feel that he very much had that. And I'm not saying I don't I don't believe that that I mean, of course, you have to work for things. I don't believe that things are just handed to you. You have to have a drive. You have to have gumption. But at the same time, there has to be this row of dominoes behind you that fall perfectly or it's not going to happen. That's why the way life works. Life isn't fair, okay? <laughs> it's not fair. Simple as that. And if Obama had had the un- misfortune of being born a girl, it never would have happened. Right. <laughs> he would have never been yeah. president. He wouldn't have. And so... There you go. Just saying. There, accident there of birth. Accident of birth. If he... If he uh, so, anyway... <laughs> Right. So now you, you can't like I, I know that I interrupted you because you were going somewhere with uh, with your argument. And I'm sorry that I, I just I just entered to say this because, uh, like I said, y- your passion talking about this is palpable. And and I feel like you definitely have the wherewithal that I don't have. To, no, to seriously talk about this because, again, like I said, I can tell you about my experience of being a poor immigrant growing up in the country next door on the island where, where I was born and coming to having a, a nice meeting with being the other, you know, that up until 11 years old, I was born in a country that was majority black, and for all I care, that's what it was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I found myself being the black kid from the other country and uh, speaking another language and looking at people that look very much like myself, telling me, no, 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 no. I'm dark skinned but I'm not Haitian, hmm. you know. Hmm. So those things I can talk about, but I know you, you have been very open about the way you grew up. But at the same time, that's not the picture that I get or the picture that was portrayed in this movie is not what I get from your upbringing. And of course, you know, from Appalachia or anything like that. No, no, and that that but, certainly but, makes a difference. But you, but you do, you have never had a problem with putting yourself 
in being raised in a poor, white, working-class family. But on the other hand, it wasn't, you know, there were uneducated people that smoked and, you know, drank moonshine and shit, you know. <laughs> yeah. You, you, your father, you know, had he had the opportunity to, I don't know, find himself in California, <laughs> you know, with what he knew, it would have been probably a completely different outset. Yes. Yes. Y you, your mother, I gather, was an incredibly smart woman, uh, is an incredibly smart woman, and, you know, sort of like kept things glued together in a way that is almost heroic. And while we see some of these characters here, but this is pretty pathetic of, of, a, of a display to tell the story of the American dream. And again, my hope is that that's not really what the book is about. But again, we have to get to that, don't we? Yes, we'll have to read the book. <laughs> I, I, I hope that the book is, is deeper. And I, I think I'm angry too at this movie because of sort of the pedigree of, of Ron Howard and Glenn Close and Amy Adams, who I, I, I am very disappointed in the idea that they would be behind and put their star power and their names and their money and the production into something like this, that this, the product, the end product, whatever it started out as with the book, the end product is, is it's a very watchable movie. I will say that for it. It's certainly watchable. I I can't call it entertaining because it's too offensive to me to call it entertaining. It's 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 so pitch pitch wrong. <laughs> it's so tone deaf. It's so again, it is it is someone else's view of what it is to be poor. And the idea that this was believed and by studios and believed by the actors that were in it and the directors and the producers is so disheartening to me that anybody would be like, yeah, we're going to put this out as a serious movie, a serious big budget movie, and we're going to release it and put our names to it is, is very disheartening to me. And, and I think is just a, a sign of, of how low, <sighs> how low people have have come to or or i guess maybe always have viewed the poor and uh it's i i just i i yeah i my little side rant that i was going to do i'm still going to do it <laughs> yeah. <laughs> by all means <laughs> so i'm i'm this is weird but i i'm i'm going to talk about you know how we talked about the dominoes for for obama that everything had to be in place behind for him to fall into the place of what he needed to do again that he had to be the wonderful amazing person that he is and smart and intelligent and right. drive and all of that but there has to be things behind it right so Absolutely. <laughs> so we're going to talk i teeth so i i have i have very crooked teeth and if you're white and you have very crooked teeth, everybody immediately knows that you grew up poor. Or if Is you, that so? Or if you have bad teeth. Every, every, or, or, you're, or you're British. Or, or you're British. If you don't have the British <laughs> accent to go with it. If you, if you have the, uh, the okay. very American accent to go with bad teeth, everybody knows immediately that you they grew know. up poor. <laughs> and, and Hollywood very much pushes along a stereotype because what is one of the first thing that happens to actors and actresses when they come to Hollywood is they fix their teeth. The teeth become straight, they become white, they become perfect smiles. You know, they put the caps on and everything like that. This is because in America, there is no access to dental care unless you have the money to pay for it. If you live in a rural area, you don't have fluoride in your water because you have well water. And so I was very fortunate in that my father was worried about teeth. 
And he paid once a year for me to have my teeth checked and okay. to make sure that they were cleaned and, and things like that. So there was never any money for braces or orthodontics or anything like that. But once a year, I was very fortunate in that because my father did not want... It wasn't a cosmetic thing. It was very simply, I don't want you to go through the pain that I went through when I was your age of infected teeth wow. and that sort of thing. So with my father, that, that being a concern of his, there might not have been money for toothpaste, but you can use baking soda for toothpaste. You can also use salt. It doesn't taste good, but it does do the job. But, but the thing is that if he hadn't had that concern, I probably wouldn't have even have teeth in my mouth because, again, there was no, I grew up with well water, so no fluoride. If he hadn't been concerned with that, there, there, if he had not made that a priority, then that wouldn't have happened. And this is a sign to other whites when they see you smile and you have bad teeth or you have crooked teeth. Oh, you grew up poor or oh, you grew up lower middle class. It is a thing. Wow. Teeth are a thing. And I know that is so weird and strange to say. <laughs> and possibly wow. maybe for people who are upper middle class to even realize that they're making that in their brain, but they are. They're, when they see at the smile and they see bad teeth, they immediately go, oh, poor. And I, I, wow. I know this because I have known people who, in order to fit in, have had their teeth corrected. And it is a way to advance in the white world. Get your teeth fixed. So I know this is a strange rant, and it's a weird one. But I I, I think in the sense of even in this movie, there is a point where um, the mom, Bev, screams out of the window to the character of Ray towards the end of the movie, "You, you, you don't even have all of your teeth. And that is a point of pride to her to say, I've still got my teeth. <laughs> oh my God. I'm better than you. I, this is another, I'm a, I'm, I may be poor, but I am better than you because I still have my teeth. So, right. um, see, like, this is, one, this is one thing that happened, and all I could see was the entire argument, the entire situation. But I, I could not, for the life of me, obviously, not have gotten that there. Because again, this is this is something that I don't know of. Uh, but but again, you are you are you are sending me to school right here, Jojo. Come on, yeah. Class is in session. Um, yes, but, ma'am. <laughs> but so I I when she said that line in the movie, I cringed. But it also was one of the few lines that rang true to me because that is an insult that that would have genuinely been thrown, and. I so that's that's how I got on my little tooth rant here. <laughs> but but it it is something that marks you as as poor. So it's it's something that even if you are ever able to, you know, get an education or something like that, if if you smile and your teeth aren't perfectly white or your teeth aren't perfectly straight, there is always going to be whether it's conscious on the on the other person's part or not, there is always going to be in their mind, this person didn't come from the same class as I did. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, just another way that uh, humans are horrible to each other. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, you know, let's let's for for a moment not talk about JD. Mm-hmm. You know because. Whatever, JD, cool. It's JD's story. Yes. But I don't know that it is JD's story. Uh, in my view, somebody chose to tell. Okay, let's, f- for instance, remember the name, the title of this book, Hillbilly Elegy. Yes. Right? And I again. I think this is a man trying to tell a background story without a hero in it. That's what the title tells me. If we are parting from elegy. But let's talk about the characters that somehow were looked over, were sort of like sacrificed in order to create that perception of 
all you have to do is all you have to be is be white, be male, and you'll get out of it and you'll achieve the American dream. And I'm particularly offended that they didn't take dedicate a good amount of time telling me how did mama what was what was what was mama's life like yes papa i i i i don't know that i wanted to hear much of it cuz he was a drunk and he was an abusive drunk yes but this is the woman that kept that house together that glued everything together yes this is a woman that we discover that jd didn't know the whole story but i'm pretty sure that if Bev, JD's mother, JD and Lindsay's mother made it to nursing school and even graduated. Obtained her license as a nurse. I'm sure that it was because mama was there. Yes. Yes. Because like I said there is no indication that anything good happened to that family if it weren't for mama. Exactly. So what happened there? How is it that this story is not told in greater detail? Yes. Jojo. Yes. I I I wish that I wish that it if it was going to be told it should have been told through her eyes or or more about her because she was obviously a force of nature in real life. <laughs> she had to be. Yeah. And, and JD didn't seem to have enough information to to paint a, 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 the the correct picture of her. Am I right? I I agree with you 100%. From from the view we have of her, his mother and his sister, it's it I I very much got the feeling fuck you, I got mine. <laughs> yes. When it came right yes. down to it. I'm not talking about yeah. that he actually said that or was actually like that, but when it came down to to it, to the nitty gritty of it, it was "fuck you." I got mine. And even in the in the conclusion of the bio, at the end, it was pretty much that. Yeah, JD lives in Ohio with the beautiful, beautiful Indian wife that he got himself, and two beautiful biracial children. They are the perfect picture of the American dream. Mm-hmm. And it seems almost as if. The message here is once you get the fuck out you can only look at these people you left behind as a charity case. Yes. <laughs> yes. They become a charity case to you. Not your brother, your sister, your people. But again, this is the reason why I'm saying I don't know that this is what this man set out to do. Right. With this book because when he start the the narration is i call i i tell people that i'm from ohio but where most i feel at home is here in jackson kentucky yes and then, this is where my people he talks about them as his people and then we never see kentucky again <laughs> right <laughs> right in the movie i don't know about the book but in the movie we never see kentucky again yes <laughs> yes but Again, I um, I have another thing to say about because well, we're not going to talk a lot about cast, but one thing I have to say about this is Hollywood is out of his damn mind if they're going to tell me that after all the times that Glenn Close has been passed on for an Oscar, this is the one that is going to get her the Oscar. That is absolute fucking bullshit. I, I, like I said, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, no. I, I agree. I, I just, yeah. I, I feel like the very cynical side of me feels like Amy Adams and Glenn Close took these roles because they saw, ooh, Oscar. Um, yeah. And and that I, I hope that wasn't the case, but I, I hope neither one of them wins for it because it's not, it's not there. <laughs> Right, but again, we're talking about Hollywood that loves a white savior story, yes. white male savior story, yes. and loves the the whole. I was born really poor, but yo, I 
pulled myself like this is it. Hollywood. Here's the thing: American conservatives love to think as Hollywood as a liberal fucking Sodoma and Gomorrah, but it isn't. It is not. It is not. This is the same fucking Hollywood that you know wrote in purported Gone with the Wind. Okay, this is the same Hollywood that wrote and filmed and promoted the birth of a nation that fucking glorifies the KKK. That hasn't changed. Hollywood is not fucking liberal. So forget about this bullshit. This is why this kind of offensive shit is still being done. This is why when it comes down time to vote for Oscar nominations, this is what you're going to get. All of the people who were in this absolutely outrageous depiction of people from this country, this is this is what you're going to get. You're going to get a bunch of Oscar nominations and a lot of people saying, yo, this was great. This was absolutely great. Yep. But yep. watch this movie if you want to. And... I think when Jojo and I texted back and forth about it, my <laughs> my answer was, I didn't hate it. <laughs> that was your answer. Yeah. Well, and I hadn't I watched didn't it hate yet, it. so. <laughs> <laughs> and and the, the, reason, the reason I said that, Jojo, is because you mentioned something uh, a few minutes ago about that the movie wasn't entertaining. There was nothing entertaining about it. And I found myself struggling to, to find anything entertaining. The idea that a sad movie cannot be entertaining is, is a myth. That's bullshit. No, that's you, you don't have to have a box of napkins with you the entire time you're watching a sad movie. Right, right. But the fact is, there was a, um, there was a huge portion of this movie that was incredibly tiring. Yes. And I think they... Bev's character deserves more sympathy than, than what the movie made her out to be. Yeah. I, I read an article out there that says why you should not feel sympathetic. What, why is it okay to not feel sympathetic for uh, Bev's, uh, Amy Adams' character? I think that's absolute fucking bullshit. I think she deserves more sympathy than that because she may have ended up being an addict, an absolute fuck up, but she didn't ask for none of the shit that happened to her as a child that she was witness to as a child. And it takes an extraordinary spirit for a person not to grow up to be an absolute fuck up, having been through the shit that this person, this woman as a girl witnessed happening around her. You know. I, I kind of feel that the character of Bev is a very flat interpretation from a very young person who never saw her as anything other than a mother and a screw up mother at that, at, at that. Yeah, and I actually said it. You're a shitty mother. Yes, yes, and I, I don't think it, from the from this perspective of someone who never saw her as anything else. I, I think as as children, we don't really see our parents as anything other than parents. They aren't humans with their own needs, wants, desires, passions, hurts. They're just parents. That is the way we are wired to be. Otherwise, I don't think we'd ever grow up. I, I, I mean, in the sense of feeling that much emotion from such a, a young age and that much knowledge from a young age, I feel like our heads would just explode from pain. But right. I, I, I don't think that the character of Bev is ever seen from a, a mature angle, from someone who can be sympathetic and say, the reason she is the way she is is because of this, not because she's a shitty person. Not she's right. not a shitty mom because she's a shitty person. She's she's dealing with some shitty things, and maybe she's not doing it the quote unquote right way, but she's doing what she can. She's she's 
She's doing the best she can with what she has. And, and there was a moment, there was a moment where JD paints that picture, but only to get the benefit of getting her in that institution. Yes. And to a certain extent, he almost felt like he was lying. Yes. Because right after that, he walked out and the sister had to tell him, you don't know shit. Yes. Because he was going on to, uh, telling the sister, well, you always, why do you keep defending her? Yes. Right? Yes. And this is a personal story that I, I'm going to take the liberty of telling. And uh, I don't even know how my wife is going to feel about that. But the reason I'm saying this is because, again, part of the things that I, I see that happens when kids grow up in abusive homes, especially when father, one of the parents has been abusive to the other parent is that the older child sort of like shield the younger siblings from seeing all of that. And it is possible, it is absolutely possible that the younger siblings may have grown up with a completely different and perfect idea of the family they grew up with. Yes. But that is not always the case. And I say that because my wife grew up with a father that was abusive to to her mother. And her younger brother, John, she always protected John from seeing, from witnessing all of that. And whatever John knows today, he knows it because he has gotten old enough to sort of put two and two together. But... If he's not an absolute fuck-up today, it is because he had a big sister that protected him from seeing some shit. Yeah. And this is why probably Amy, um, not Amy, Lindsay, never left town. This is why we can see her being a good mom, a good wife, a, a utile individual to the little society where she lives. But she also had the same fucking potentials to make it big. Yeah. And this is what no one is telling you in this story. <laughs> you yeah. know, and for me, I think it's because she decided she was going to be the protector for both the little brother and also the mother. Because mama was gone, yes, wasn't it? Yes. So yes. I think the characters that, have, that were overlooked here deserve better than that. I, I agree. I agree that the character of Lindsay Vance, the sister, is, is someone whose story is, is much more interesting than JD's. Um, yeah. Because she was probably smarter than him. <laughs> honestly, to be able to do all the things that she did. Yes. She was probably more resourceful than him. She was certainly stronger than him. And she is, you know, quote unquote, left behind because she made the sacrifices for him. And um, I actually very much enjoyed the performance of Haley Bennett as Lindsay. She is the only one that rang true to me in this whole thing. Yes. So with that said, like I said, the cast is not huge. The cast is not huge, so we don't have a lot to talk about the cast. So I think Amy Adams portrayed an incredibly one-dimensional character, so much so that it creates a certain level of lack of sympathy for her. And if you don't, if you've never dealt with folks with addiction you would think that's, that's what it's all about, and that is, that is not. So, yeah, we can expect her to be nominated for some shit because, like I said, that's Hollywood for you. But in my view, this was, again, an incredibly one-dimensional character. What do you say, George? Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I agree, and I, I, I said it earlier, but I'm, I'm very disappointed that they... One, 
we're okay with this being released the way it is, and two, are very strongly defending it right now. That's another issue I have with that. Um, Amy Adams and Glenn Close are both very much defensive of the criticism that they're receiving. And I, I, I am very disappointed in that because it's one thing to have something put out and go, oh, that didn't turn out the way I wanted. It's another thing to put something out that is so unbelievably offensive and go, but uh, it was great. It was wonderful. It was marvelous because there, <laughs> I, I had more respect for them as human beings to understand more of the plight of the human condition, even if you haven't experienced it. Um, but it's apparent to me now that they do not. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about, I think for the second time in a row, we're going to uh, end up saying this. The only thing that made you want to see what became of the older character is because of the absolutely majestic portrayal that the young actor did of the main character. This kid's name is Owen Ashtalos, and I think he was great, Jojo. I am. Um, he was. I, I I think he was. I think he was great. He created a very commendable picture of the kid that JD was. And I don't have a lot, a lot else to say about his, his character. Yeah. He, uh, he, he was good at it. He, um, he did what he could with what he had and, uh, he was good. I agree. So who else caught your attention? Gabriel Basso as the grown up JD Vance. He was just a dude. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, the character was was just was just a guy. I I didn't really get any real sense of pathos from him or real understanding for what was going on. But I didn't get that from any of the movies, so I can't blame the actor from that. He was what he was. Anybody else? Um, I I mentioned her briefly, but I I. Haley Bennett's performance rang true to me as Lindsay, even though we didn't get to see very much of Lindsay um, in the sense of what her sacrifices were for JD. When she was on screen, she uh, she was arresting, and she was she was very believable to me. Um, I felt that she pulled more into that character than was there and maybe understood a little bit more of the subject matter. I don't know her background, but it seems like she was much more uh, uh, light-handed or, or, or as sympathetic or empathetic to what she was playing and, and had a more of a grasp as to the bigger picture than any of the other actors. Yeah. I kind of also found it weird that you would hire Frida Pinto for this movie and then just, like, show her twice? And that's it? Like, what, one or two, three times, maybe? Yeah, it was... I read a review that was something like she literally called in her performance because you only ever see her on the phone. <laughs> Which isn't quite true. <laughs> it isn't quite true. She is in a couple scenes where she's not on the phone. But it was, it was it made me laugh because I was like, yeah, she's pretty much just girlfriend on the phone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and the reason I say that is because again, Frida Pinto is right up there in terms of in terms of actresses. Yes, and, she is. Yes, she is. And this is a very minor character. And if it were because you know JD Vance was dating an Indian girl. You know, you could have gotten any, any you know, actress that needed to be in this movie. You, you, know, you know what I mean? Like, any lesser known actress that would have taken, would have benefited more from being in this movie than Frida Pinto. Because I just felt like it was, yeah, let's pay all this movie to Frida Pinto because we need um, an Indian female character. And Frida Pinto is more than that. Yeah. That's pretty much what I think. Yeah, I agree. But yeah, this is the one movie that I have no problem being completely against. You know, we've trashed movies before here. We've trashed 
trashed series here before. But we've always had a couple of positive things to say. Um, I have, I struggled while watching the movie to find something positive to say about it. And I'm still struggling now that with recording this podcast, trying to find something to say, positive to say about it. The the only thing that I can say is that maybe it will open up a dialogue or a discord between people who, like myself, have some insight into what it actually is to be poor and people who don't. And I hope that my only concern about that is I, I feel that people with my background don't necessarily want to talk about it. Yeah. But if if you're listening to this and you do have that background, I think that it is something that we need to talk about because this is what, if you watch this movie, if you're from a poor background and you watch this movie, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. And I hope that it will open up some level of passion in you that if somebody next to you starts talking about what a great movie it is, you can go, no, it's not. <laughs> yeah. No, it's not. It's it's not a great yeah. movie. And if you want to know more about the actual poor experience in white America, here's something else you can watch or here's something else you can read. If you're not going to watch the movie, I, I really, again, I, I, Really recommend Alison Stein's review of this movie for Salon. It's available online. It's not behind a paywall. It opens up so many and, and unpacks so many things that are about this movie that that I'm struggling to to say without just straight up plagiarizing her. <laughs> but but just it it's it's that's the only good thing I can I. I the only thing I could say good that might come out of this movie is maybe it will open some discord, but I'm very much afraid that it's going to do the opposite and it's going to just push the stereotype, just reinforce in people's minds, the people who live in the bubble of middle class and rich, that this is the way it is. And all you need to do is pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You're poor because you're lazy. Unfortunately, Movies uh, have the power to do that because, again, uh, certain things only have become normalized. Certain good things only have become normalized because we were able to see them on TV. Yes. Uh, Somebody said uh, that if 24 didn't normalize seeing a black president, probably it would have taken a few more years before we, we could get ourselves a black president. If Will and Grace wasn't there, uh, if your modern family wasn't there, same-sex relationships wouldn't have been normalized enough for us to have equality in marriage that we have today. I'm not saying that's all we needed. What I'm saying is that Hollywood has the power to normalize certain things that could be good for society in the long run. Yes. And much in that same way in that same manner Hollywood has the power to normalize certain bigotry certain certain stereotypes and we know that because in one way or another all of us if you're poor if you are a person of color we have gone through some shit we have had some awkward conversations we have had some awkward situations we have had to answer some weird ass questions from people based on shit they've seen on tv yes (laughs) yes with that said again it is up to you to watch this movie it's on netflix if you have netflix of course why not i think it's two hours and 50 minutes yes is it two hours and 50 minutes so it's almost three hours and it might well be a supreme waste of time, but let's let you be the judge of that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we, of course, want to thank you for your for, for watching and for listening. If you are watching us on YouTube, please go ahead, as Jocelyn said, smash that subscribe button. Anyway. <laughs> 
and uh, you can also follow us on all platforms, social media, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Kicking and Streaming Podcast is all you need to search. And of course, on the YouTube description, we have all of our links also down below. You can follow Jocelyn on Instagram, which is the only <laughs> social media she does as <laughs> Jocelyn Podcast. And as for me, you will find me on Instagram, Twitter as Mr. Puzzetta. That is M-R-P-U-Z-Z-E-T-T-A-M-R-P-U-Z-Z-E-T-T-A. So, Jojo, what else do we tell people? Uh, thank you very much for listening. We're going to call it a day today. Thank you very much again for listening. We are glad you were here. Thanks. Bye. Thank you for listening to Kicking and Streaming Podcast. If you found value in our content, please subscribe and share. We would also be delighted to hear what you think of this podcast. So please rate us by writing a quick review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. Follow us on all major social media platforms such as Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest. Join the conversation happening today on our Facebook group.